What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Worlds Podcast. And with me solo for the first time is the roach to my Geralt. It's Alex. What's up, buddy? Hey, I don't, I, I think I'm okay with the roach. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like, first of all, I appreciate Roach in the game. He's a great character. He's a great, he's a great horse. He's a good companion. But his name is Roach, so if he dies, Geralt's not attached. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> well, much like the Roach in the game, I am very attached. So if okay. you die, I will be very sad. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, thanks for being on. Um, you know, Casey could not join me this week he's got some personal things to attend to and uh i thought you know what it is high time that alex join this show so he's gonna be our guest this week and we're gonna have a great time so yeah thanks for having um, me yeah of course you all know alex from the testing room i we always tell people that listen to this show to listen to your show and uh, you also kindly let me DM uh, your your campaign over on on the show. So, um, how was your week? What what are you what are you doing? What are you watching? Reading? Let's hear it. What am I doing? What so it, anybody that's caught up on the testing room will know I have been very slammed with projects right now um, at work. So unfortunately, my week is not as robust as it typically is. Um, what have I been watching? So my wife and I just plowed through a ton of community. Like it's one of those go-to shows that we have um, along with like New Girl and Parks and Rec and, and The Office. And I think we binged that entire series in like a week. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> we, we, we went to the bedroom last night and turned on the episode and it comes up and they're like doing a, let's do a season seven pitch for a reboot. And I'm like, are we on the final episode? And she's like, I guess we are. Like, I didn't realize how fast we just watched it. Man. Um, It's so good though. And it's like it 23 minute episodes. Right. So right. it's not bad, but we, we've been watching that. Uh, we've been watching some random things like uh, old studio Ghibli or studio Ghibli movies. Um, Because What's I favorite one. Well, so I, for one, have never really watched them before. Uh -huh. So this is my first experience with them. I know them. I know, you know, My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away and Kiki's Delivery Service. Like, I, I know of them, but I've never seen them. Um, and we're going to Japan in May. So we Ooh, thought, like, fun. we should probably watch some of the movies, you know. Yeah, because they, they have, like, whole stores and stuff dedicated to Studio Ghibli. So that is very yeah. exciting. Yeah, and we're staying at a uh, a bathhouse for a, a couple of nights, just like a traditional Japanese bathhouse, but it's in the same like small town, if you will, as I think the bathhouse from Spirited Away, like it's modeled after and, and it's all there. So we're like, we should probably watch some of these films. She's seen them. <laughs> I have not. Um, Spirited Away is one of the better ones, in my opinion. Is it? Okay, yeah. good, good. I like that one a lot. That's the one that's coming up. Um, so we're excited. And then otherwise, beyond the book, that the, the the one identity crisis here that I read, we'll talk about in a minute, uh, just as a, I had to reread it for this. I've really been playing a couple of video games in like Ocarina of Time. That's it. I'm on Ganon, 
I've done everything. As I said on our pod, I've needed something to shut my brain off with all this like work stuff I've been doing. So uh, playing Ocarina of Time as an adult, it's like a warm bath. I've flown through it. <laughs> I've, I've 100%ed it. Like I just got the final gold sculptula in the in the spirit temple and the final like full heart i'm i'm maxed i have all the accessories and everything so we're about to go beat it tonight and that's exciting i so i had a friend uh i i worked for uh, verizon i was uh just out of college and met a very good friend through that uh, i won't name his name uh, in case he doesn't want me to but he and I played through several Zelda games together, and he was the craziest Zelda player I've ever met. <laughs> I sat down and watched him beat Ocarina without getting another heart container. He just did it with the three you start with. He yeah. would just bounce around, get all the bottles, get fairies, and then he just beat the game like it was nothing. It was insane. I I, I wouldn't be that good. I could uh I could beat the game off of just the hearts you got off the bosses, right? Same thing, like get the bottles and just off the bosses, but I couldn't do it with three. Like I would have to get like up to the up to the seven, eight mark somewhere around there. I'd have to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what what because like a lot of people debate the best Zelda game. I'm not asking you to give like the best one, but give me your top three. Top three. There's going to be a little nostalgia here. Um, so my top would be, oh shit, three? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> in no Then we'll do no particular order because I don't know that sure. I can pick one. So like, Ocarina of Time for sure. Um, a Link to the Past solely off of nostalgia, which was the very first uh, Zelda game I ever played and the, one of the first games I had on the NES. And then... Um, unfortunately i am gonna blank on the name and i was talking about this the other day and blanked on it then too but the one that was made uh was it initially for the switch when it first came out where a link between worlds where you could like go into the wall in the 2d and then come out in the 3d yep. that game was absolutely incredible i actually haven't played that one it's, it's like the the only one i've yeah. never played I it, it was very innovative, in my opinion, to see them like go between this 3D, 2D world, but it was absolutely seamless and it created really like interesting puzzles. But it also went back to the old school way of Zelda um, where you didn't like, you know, seize like Oracle seasons and, and stuff like that, where you didn't have to go to each dungeon in a linear path. You could literally right. like go here and you'd be like, oh, well, I don't have the item to fight this boss. Guess I need to leave and go get it which was really, really cool. It was like a nice touch to go a little retro. Um, I loved it. That game was incredible. Nice. I thought you were maybe going to say the game for the Philips CDI, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, what it, which one was for the Philips CDI? Was that... Oh, I mean... It, like it some was, random? Yeah, it's the one that's like notoriously the worst thing ever okay. made. Because uh, I know I, Link... Zelda 2 right being that like new art style like that side scroller and stuff was also notoriously terrible yeah that one was that okay so there were two there was uh the faces of evil and the wand of Gamelon. I have Which... literally never heard of either of those and I will 100% check them out as soon as we're done here today yeah, I'm gonna make a note do. right now <laughs> you you're gonna laugh at how just god-awful abominations they are okay 
And it's a shame because in my opinion, the title, The Wand of Gamelon, is like the coolest, most like 80s fantasy yep. name of all time. Yep, that's um, amazing. But yeah, um, mine mine are going to differ. I, Ocarina is, is my number one for sure. Hmm. But then I got to go with Twilight Princess and Wind Waker for the other two because I really like both of those. I like Wind Waker a lot. This is terrible to say. Twilight Princess, I never beat because I couldn't get behind the the Wii motion controls when it first came out, like using the Wii Mote. And and I've never gone back since then to play it. Now, with that being said, shout out Steam Deck, like doing God's work over here. Um, <laughs> I actually have it on an emulator, which is how I'm playing Ocarina right now too, and it's flawless. So I will play uh, Twilight Princess soon, but I've never beat that game. So... Well, when you do, let me know what you think, because I adore okay. that game. I played, I initially borrowed it from Casey and played it on the GameCube because it came out for both systems. I think it was just a launch title for the Wii, maybe. It was. And then um, I played it whenever they did the, the HD remake for Wii U, which was a really good remake. So That's a much better experience than on the GameCube, I'm sure. Because yeah. those those motion controls were awful. Like you could never when you're shooting your bow, you could never get the calibration right for yeah. like the arrow is terrible. Yeah. But anyway, uh, welcome to the Zelda cast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple things. Casey left me a note. Uh, we should have done this last week and we didn't. Um, we wanted to plug the uh, our our friends Mike and Levi. They did the. Uh, the theme song for anime boys their band i like snaps came out with a new music video for their song in the dark um i got to be a part of that and help them out on bass for that video that was super fun and cool i like the song so everybody if you want to check out a new song check out in the dark by i like snaps um if you want to see me playing bass occasionally throughout the song in the background you can check it out on youtube otherwise wherever you stream music and then the other thing before we get into the news, we have a YouTube comment from last week. Alex might know this guy. His name's Preston. Um, Never heard of him. <laughs> he says, hey, duders. First off, yes, the testing room did have Wizards, Wizards of the Coast go back. Oh, oh okay. I, I misread this. The testing room did have Wizards of the Coast go back on their idea with the OGL. I told them the furry community would be coming at them and they got scared. <laughs> Hashtag <you>, phrasing. <laughs> okay, and he says, as my or and my favorite black comic book characters are, one, as a Constantine fan, I would love to see a Papa Midnight solo run. Otherwise, give me more Constantine with a lot of him in it. Preston, I don't know if you know this. I might just blow your mind. There was a Papa Midnight solo run. Uh, it's long out of print, but I, unless someone random picked it up, I think Comic Headquarters has that trade, so let me know. Uh, and then he says, too, I know we try not to double down, but I really like Blade, and he needs his own new run. I agree. The Darkhold issue is not enough for me, and I'm curious how much he will show up in Bloodline. Three, Casey already took the Green Lantern Joe as well. I want so much more of her. Also, if they bring her to live action, Janelle Monae should play her. 
she already can pull off the hairstyle, and I wouldn't be surprised if she was an inspiration for the book. And okay, last... so but before you before you finish this statement, first of all, you you can't. Preston has two go to actresses for literally everything, is and it's gonna Zoe be Kravitz? it's Zoe Kravitz <laughs> and Janelle Monae. I don't even know that he knows two other actresses' names beyond those two, and they're the only ones that matter to him. So that's not even like she. Look, nothing is Janelle Monae. She was fantastic in Glass Onion, but. You also have to take that comment with a grain of salt because, of course, that's what he was going to say. <laughs> I feel like you knew as I was reading it. <laughs> it's, it had to be. One of the two. That's funny. All right. And lastly, he says Misty Knight would be a fun, badass detective solo series as well. Also, she has a dope robotic arm. I can't disagree with that statement. So uh, thank you, Preston, for chiming in. We like all those characters too. Yeah. Can can I say how I'm glad, like I'm excited to see that music video. I want to see you playing bass. I also loved your comment of the I play bass on it. Um also I like the song, so that's good. Because how awkward would it have been if you were just like, Yeah, I play bass on it. The song is fucking terrible. <laughs> but I'm there. Right. So. I know. I know. I I am not great at phrasing things sometimes, so it, that makes it seem like, you know, I just wanted the fame of being in the music video, um, which is not the case. I, I have seen I Like Snaps many times, and they're great, so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> really, really sold us the first time. I wasn't quite sure, so. Right. <laughs> All right. So, on to our news. Um, First off, we'll, we'll go in order of least important to most important. Um, the Image series Criminal is being developed into an Amazon TV show. So They're just buying everything, aren't they? They really are. It's they really Christ. are. Um, but Criminal, like that, that's one that can easily be adapted to a TV show and work. I hope that it does because... Uh, you know, obviously, I want those creators to uh, to get that bag, you know? Have you read is Criminal? There, I have not, but is there going to be some sort of... Are, are they banking on some sort of overlap of like, hey, we have the boys and everybody knows the boys that dark and gritty, so let's go over something that is maybe not as known, but can capture that grittier, more adult comic audience? Yeah, I could see that. Because Criminals 1 were like whether you like Criminal or if you've never read it and you know you like Ed Brubaker, mm -hmm. you can be like, well, I'm going to check that out. And then if you think, think of like every middle-aged, uh, you know, man or woman that loves crime stuff, which, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just saying that like my parents, you know, like my parents would, would see Criminal being advertised, have no idea it was a comic and be like, I want to watch that. That looks awesome. So Hopefully they get, you know... Oh. What what way on the crime are they going to lean? Are they gonna, is it leaning like a true detective type of crime? Or is it like a Pulp Fiction type of crime? Um, I think it's going to be more more pulpy just because okay. that's, that's kind of Phillips and Brubaker's bread and butter. Um, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see how the, much of an adaptation it is. Amazon's really going after that, like, all 
all demographics of nerds, right? We got like Lord of the Rings, but if if Lord of the Rings is just up your alley, you like the high fantasy and not over the top violence, then you can go there. But if you like the over the top violence, if Lord of the Rings is too mainstream, then you have the boys for those people, right? <laughs> right. I need to I need to watch that last season of the boys. I still haven't seen it. It was good. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I think the boys as a whole is good. It's it is carried by the cast, right? Like the acting is is the best part about that show. Um, I don't I'm not approved by any means. Like I am totally down for you being artistic and and seeing the vision you want to see, and I'm I'm up for it. But there is some just like they, they do hero gasm in one episode and they're like let's see what we can get away with to the point where they were doing pre-episode like little documentaries five and ten minutes long they published online of like look at this huge dick we built that you can walk into or like we ran out of fake semen and you're just like okay guys like i get it i get you're edgy you're amazon like sometimes i i don't need to see it in live action to know what's going on so that's right. my only complaint with the boys and season four they said is like supposed to be more like there's supposed to be one episode that's even of more over top it's like why I, I don't know just just to get people to talk about it man i mean have, have you read the boys yeah okay yeah. i personally didn't like it i thought it was way too edgy for the sake of being edgy and it was like it was like a high school you know 16 year old wrote it just to see what he could get away with and uh you know it just wasn't for me now mm -hmm. i think the show is much better but i had an annoying amount of uh customers come in that are just you know jerking off over the show and i realized yep. phrasing there but <laughs> and uh they're like well how's the comic i'm like well you know believe it or not the comic's actually like worse in terms yeah, of some of yeah. that stuff and they were like there's no way and i'm like eh, there is a way though so I, you know it, it's a product of his time too right like there are things that the show had to change especially around like a few of the main characters and and how starlight gets into the group and stuff that just doesn't translate post me too you just can't yeah. really do it the same, right? Yep. And, and at least make the make the show one that people want to come back to. So there are some things, if I was younger, living through the stuff we've lived through now, like in today's climate, and I was turning to the boys comic for the first time, I don't think it would hit as much. I don't think I would like it very much. Yeah, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, know? it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. You're right. <laughs> Uh, but it is what it is. I I like the show. The show's good. The cast is really good. If it weren't for Carl Urban, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Um, but I love Carl Urban very much. So uh, you know, I hope that he continues to that the show continues for his sake. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. Moving on. We are getting a new Avatar: The Last Airbender comic called Azula in the Spirit Temple. And uh, I'm a huge Last Airbender fan, and so I've got all those comics that are all super fun. And Azula in the Spirit Temple just sounds like a great time to me. I don't know if that's anything you're into, Alex. But... You brought on the wrong person for that. That's Christian all day. <laughs> I 
I've I've asked there there are shows and things I've asked about like uh, Avatar, Dragon Ball, stuff like that, and he's like, just don't. You can't invest yourself because you're a thousand episodes behind, and you'll never get caught up. <laughs> Man, I feel like I really feel like Avatar isn't as bad as like like not even close to Dragon Ball. Yeah, or um, Naruto, Naruto, right? Like that yeah. has a thousand episodes to it as well. Mm-hmm. I I saw look, I saw the Last Airbender. I, I I know I know the story I got it. Okay, well, <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> I know. I figured oh, it'd be offensive. Funny. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We all saw that movie, expecting greatness, did not get it. Now here's something that you are interested in. I know for a fact, which is why I've kind of I've got a theme going on for this show. Okay. Andre Sapkowski says that he's writing more Witcher universe novels. Interesting. Yeah. Is it? Okay. So I have thoughts here. One, yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited as a whole because I, like you, read, I've not finished the books. I have two more to go, but I've read most of the books. Um, I love the show. The Witcher 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. Like all of that is great. However, people that follow this stuff know that like there was drama between Andre and and the game and the show. And like, even after he sold it, he all of a sudden decided that this company turned his IP into millions of dollars and never got paid for his stuff. So is he there because he has more story to tell or is he planning on retconning some of the stuff that games and shows have done to these beloved characters in his eyes? Like, is he just going to just rip out, readers hearts on purpose because he's angry i don't i don't think so and i'll I'll explain why so i get i get why you would think that the stuff that went down with cd project red they tried to get him to do the percentage of earnings rather than a flat rate yeah and he thought this game's not going to amount to anything i just want the money and they were like okay and then bam (laughs) You know, yep. it blew up. I, and since then, they've gone back and worked out a deal to where he does get a percentage, which they didn't have to do. Mm. Um, so, you know, he, he has no right to be angry if he is anymore. He, he did say it's not going to be a sequel. He sees Geralt, Yennefer, series story as complete. So if, if we get anything, it's either going to be different characters maybe something series centric mm-hmm. or so season of storms came out in 2010 and that was that was like a prequel so i think if anything we're going to get more prequel stuff just him like during his strictly witchering days yeah or it's going to be like a side story you know what was Geralt doing while siri was off doing whatever you know something like that how much do you know how much influence he's had with some of these other spinoffs? Like I know with the TV show, they focus more on the books, lean, lean more towards the books than they ah. do um, with the game. Right. It's what they say. But do you, does he have any influence with the show at all? Or like even the spinoffs like blood origin because, no. okay. He has this whole world, right. That you could do, but I, I watched blood origin and did not love it. Like I did not think it was that good. Um, but I think a story around the conjunction and the stuff that he's created could be good coming from the mind of the creator. It's just, yes. you know. 
I agree with that completely. I I didn't love Blood Origin. Yeah. I wasn't upset that I watched it. Um, it was better than season two of the show because they were like, the books, who the fuck likes those, you nerds? And then just went a completely different way, which really didn't set well with me. Very salty yeah. about it. And I know that this next season is going to be worse, but I'm going to watch it anyway. So this I'm a psycho. This next season, correct me if I'm wrong, this should be uh, the battle between the sorcerers and the mages, right? Like there should be some espionage there. We meet, uh, we really should meet Dijkstra for like one of the first times, but there should be a big battle between the mages in season three if they go that way. Yep. We'll see. As well as uh, like Stefan Skellen and, yeah. you know, a couple other like real motherfuckers. <laughs> and I just, I just know, I just know it's not going to be done right, man, because season one was, was good. Was, I liked it a lot. But yeah, I did too. After that, man, it just, it just tanked. The farther they deviate from the, the books, the worse it gets. The, the biggest mistake that has been made on the show was some, whoever decided to do that first season, like asynchronously, right? Like to jump between time because they overcompensated and were like, well, let's tell this people didn't like the first season let's tell a better story season two it's like well the story was good your yeah. editing was bad right like yeah. you just you you edited it in a confusing way to where it took people to the final episode to go oh okay i get it but if you told the same story it would have been a nine out of ten but you you, you overcorrected in the wrong direction in yeah. season two I, I completely agree with that yeah dude even just adding you know back then on the screen would have fixed it you know what i mean yeah but there, there yeah was just absolutely mm -mm. there's just nothing no it's just i i don't i don't i don't get it at all um yeah and it's a shame you could have easily fixed that yes there was so much to like about it the cast is obviously immaculate um mm -hmm. i don't know the world is there everything is there it's just like why Every everything is here for you in these in these seven books. You don't need to do anything else. Just adapt it. I don't understand yep. it. I don't understand why people feel the need that once they're the showrunner of something or the executive producer, that they need to put their own spin on it because it's not your work anyway. So just give us an adaptation, yeah. collect the check, and fuck off. I don't <laughs> want your spin on it because we don't need it. Your well, because you already have two. Better. Yeah, and, and you already have two different spins, right? Like you have yeah. two you could choose from. You could lean towards the game or you could lean towards the books. Both have their own built-in audiences. Yeah. And so it's easy, but you're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna do our own like a hybrid, but it's like why? The my the most disappointing episode to me of the season two was the Leshy episode. <sighs> I hated that whole episode. Dude, you I'm, you had you had a good witcher character you had a gr good witcher character you killed off like before we even got to meet him and learn about him and you show like this deep friendship between him and, and Geralt for like three seconds in a flashback as Geralt's walking down the hallway reminiscing you're like oh you didn't want to you didn't want to let us live in that did you like yeah. just so dumb not to mention that that witcher and I'm blanking on the name of the other witcher that, that was there too. Um, were like pivotal in training Siri. Yep. Like like her her biggest teachers 
and they just threw that away for that mm -hmm. stupid lesson story. God, that, <laughs> I was so pissed off. And that, to me, that wasn't the worst part, dude. The worst part was Yennefer, who was willing to sell off her daughter to get her magic back. Are you yeah, that's fucking true. kidding me? <laughs> All she wants in the whole world is to be a mother. Is a family, yeah, I know. Because she, cause she had the same thing happen to her. She was tossed yes. away like nobody cared. Yes. So, like, why would you fuck that? That is the biggest disservice to a character of all time. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Oh, Boy, I sure fucking hate season two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... So, Preston, we all know Preston's, like, good guy Preston, right? Like, it is very hard to get him to say a negative word towards anything. Even when he hates something, you're like, I hate it. But if you if if it's your only choice, right... I am not quite good guy Preston, but I either hate myself or don't value my own time. One of the two. So I watched season two and I didn't hate it. I'm like, okay, I'll, you'll give me season three. Like I thought it was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good as season one. I thought it was fine. But that must mean that like, I just, again, maybe I just don't value my own personal time. So it's fair. Well, I mean, I I am in no way discrediting your fandom like your love for the witcher um i've i've just i've been through that whole book series um two or three times and uh it's just it it's dude it is like right under lord of the rings for me so it's just you know when they fuck it up i i'm just like torch and pitchforks so it you know if you like it that's totally fine uh you know, I'm glad that you do. I'm glad that you don't feel the way that I do because it's a lot of <laughs> anger. <laughs> and I, you know, I want to have hope the next season will be better. I just don't think that it will. If Henry Cavill's like, you know what, guys, I think I'm out of it. I'm out of my dream role that I've always wanted. So let's talk about that really quick before we move on. Like, do you think, do you think he left? I don't think he left that on purpose. Like, I don't, I, I, I think press wise it was hey he's moving on and this is all cordial and so on but i don't think that's what it was behind the scenes i think that dc said hey man we're working on this next movie and unfortunately like because this new universe we need your commitment that you're going to do this and he went for dc in the paycheck left this passion project that he said he had and then got effed by dc i i think that could be it but in my opinion, no. No? Because, okay. because, and here's why I think that. He doesn't need the paycheck. Sure. Henry Cavill can do whatever the fuck Henry Cavill wants <laughs> sure. to do. Sure. It is very clear. He's made it clear in any interview, article, anything that involves him talking about The Witcher. You can tell that man loves The Witcher. Yeah, absolutely. And he said from the get-go, as long as they do the story justice, I will play Daryl. So you think he's not happy with the way the story was going? Correct. I think he is more upset than me because he's yeah. like, I don't even want to do it anymore. And I just think that that happened to coincide with DC saying, you want to do Superman again? And he was like, you know what? Maybe this is a sign. And he jumped ship. And then, you know, DC fucked him on that too. I've... So. I've made the I think we made the prediction on our pod. Um, I didn't I actually didn't blame DC. I blamed Marvel. If I think if we see him as Doctor Doom in the future, 
I think that it was the Marvel commitment that made him leave, right? Because Marvel is less about like you can split this, like you're in or you're out. Um, but that's a good point as far as him not being happy with the story because I've seen multiple interviews with cast members where they're like, he is the the show Bible, right? Like yeah. if somebody's not sure about something, like we look at Henry and he tells us like, well, according to the book in this chapter, this is what happens. So that is, yep. that's a good point. Yeah, I really do think so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we went down a very, very long <laughs> tangent there. The point is, give me more novels. I don't care what it's about in the Witcher universe. I'm excited for it. There's no time frame on it. And, you know, I'm part of, like, the Witcher Reddit because, of course, I am. Uh, sure. A lot of fans are like, oh, you know, how long is it going to take him? And it's like, it's not like he's George R. R. Martin. <laughs> right. Hey, guys, I'm working on this thing, and it's going to, you know, it's going to be done at this time, and then it's not. He's just like, I've been working on some, you know, I've got some ideas. I want to see it come to life. It's, the story is complete. So if he if we never get another book, it's like, well, at least we got the whole story. Yeah, that's true. Anything else is just, you know, bonus. All right. Now let's move on to the biggest topic of the week, which of course it came out the day after Casey and I recorded last week, but that is James Gunn laying out his you know DC roadmap for the next few years. Hell yeah, boy. That's so, yes. Let's do it. I know. Casey is upset to be missing this, but <laughs> he wanted me to assure everybody that uh, when he comes back, he'll give his thoughts and he will be a curmudgeon about it. So. <clears throat> I, there's no, I did not see either of you being a curmudgeon. I felt like you would both be fawning all over James Gunn about how <laughs> great of a decision this is going to be. What he's doing with all of these amazing characters that no one knows. <laughs> well. Let's find out. <laughs> All right, so we'll do we'll do the TV shows first, because he's starting off all of this with an animated creature commandos. Uh, which... yeah, come again. Who? Exactly. <laughs> creature commandos. Um, their first appearance, I believe, was in Weird War Tales, which is uh, you know, a seventy, well, sixties and seventies, uh, DC war comic. Um. It was a lot, you know, it is, you, you know what you're getting with weird war tales because it was yeah. like this German panzer tank is, you know, taken over by a ghost. And like, that was the comic. Um, so it was a lot of stuff like that. So creature commandos, uh, you know, GI robot is uh, a part of that. He first appeared in weird war tales too, I believe. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the hell how are we gonna do gi robot which like, solely on name alone i know nothing about this character but you already have a robot hero on a live action show in your dc universe right now in doom patrol how are you gonna do another one <laughs> well i don't know that that's a great question um I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because this is animated, and who know who knows if this one's part of uh, you know if it's Elseworld stuff because that's the big thing, right? He said that this whole DC Studio stuff, there's going to be uh, the main in continuity, everything's connected, and then anything else is going to be an Elseworlds title, like in the comics, which I can appreciate. 
the thing is, is why why are you starting off with something that literally no one like? I you're a comic book fan, and you don't know these characters. Mm-hmm. So it's so like the average Joe isn't gonna know them. I have two. I have a thought and a question. I'll start with the question: How did you interpret that comment about Elseworld? Because because he, he said what you said, right? Like anything outside of this will be will be Elseworld. How did you? What did you think he meant by that? Like, how did you take it? Because I think that that was a very specific comment about something else. Oh, I I just think that uh, I mean the Elseworlds imprint was just right. random, and and I think that that's what this is too. Any anything that doesn't tie into this big roadmap that they just want to do for fun. Is gonna be Elseworld. So you think you think this creature commandos could be Elseworld? I'm gonna say no. Okay. Because Amanda Waller is supposedly in charge of the creature commandos. Well, there and, you go. I didn't even know that. Right, which segues into the next show, which is called Waller. This one was maybe the least surprising to me. Because it's a Peacemaker spinoff and James Gunn created Peacemaker, a show that, believe it or not, I have not seen yet. I have every intention of seeing. I just haven't gotten around to it. But it's like, yeah, it's his show. Of course, there's going to be a spinoff. Mm-hmm. So it it takes a couple episodes to get into Peacemaker. Stick with it. It's really good. But the way I took the Elseworld comment was everything he announced, including the things that are still on track. Flash, I have my own opinions on Aquaman or whatever. Those are all this main DC. Like he specifically said anything else outside of the world, Teen Titans Go, uh, Matt Reeves Batman, and then of course the Joker will be labeled as Elseworld. So I took it as anything that James Gunn does not have his direct finger in is going to be Elseworld and they're going to limit what that is. And everything else he talked about is like straight up continuity. Oh, I mean, that that certainly could be. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I guess we'll find out, right? <laughs> Who's to say? Uh, that is an interesting theory, though. Um, the next show, Booster Gold. I'm, I'm okay with it, I guess. I mean, I'm okay with the character. I still think it's a weird choice to come this early. It is a weird choice. I adore booster gold yeah um he's one of my favorites i actually have his first appearance which is booster gold number one signed by dan jurgens who created the character i'm very proud of that piece and i just have to say it because this is my fucking show and i get to do what i want so james gunn's gonna fuck you up he's gonna take your love and just destroy it that's what i'm afraid afraid of like 10 10 years ago uh, or so, Casey and I have, have, have said for a long time that we wanted Nathan Fillion to be Booster Gold. He would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. That's why I say 10 years ago, because he's too old now. Let's face yep. it, he's too old. Um, so Nathan Fillion has been Booster like in my head canon for so long that now I don't want anyone else to do it. So I'm I'm afraid that because I'm a comic book fan and we're all a bunch of twats that 
whoever they get is just not going to be good enough in my mind. You know what I mean? Who, who in your mind, I have somebody sticks out in my head right now. Who in your mind could James Gunn get that has the characteristics of a Nathan Fillion and is 10 years younger? Chris Pratt. There it is. (laughs) Yep. There it is. I mean, and there go all of your dreams. Yep. Yep. And you know, I don't even I don't even hate Chris Pratt. I'm just a little like Chris Pratted out. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, one hundred percent. But if it is Chris Pratt, we know he's got the chops. Um, it could be good. And and James, like you know, Casey and I talked about a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know he wanted to work with all those actors and actresses again. So maybe this is you know a part of that. Uh, we'll see. It is just, it's just an odd choice, I think. I agreed. Agreed. It's a weird one to start things off with, like your universe. Yeah. These next two I am pretty excited for, genuinely. The first one is Lanterns. Yeah. Right? So that's going to be Hal Jordan and uh, John Stewart, and it's going to be True Detective meets Green Lanterns. I love that. Sign me up done yep agreed dark gritty cop mystery like i'm good yeah let's do it i just hope that uh because it is a show that they give it the budget that they need for those visuals right we need good visuals for green lantern ring constructs Mm -hmm. so who has who has that does hbo still have the dc partnership are they still i believe so yeah it could yeah I mean, they, they seem to be they seem to be up for putting money behind things. They have some good. They have some really good, um, you know, exclusives on there. So they do. It's just they're also all about axing shows left and right right now. So I yeah, hope fair. that uh, you know, if it is them, that it gets to stick around for a while mm-hmm. because the fans really do need something Green Lantern. Yep. Apart from their good animated shows. Like even that like super cartoony Green Lantern show about how it was very good, uh, but we need something other than that. And obviously the Ryan Reynolds movie, everybody's made every joke you can imagine about that. We don't need to make another one, but hopefully this one works out. I'm glad that John is part of it because John is my favorite Lantern. I hope that it's cool. And then the next one is Paradise Lost which is the show set on Themyscira. We don't know. I think it's going to be pre-Wonder Woman. He claimed uh, it's going to be Game of Thrones meets uh, Themyscira. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that comment. Really? Why not? Yeah, because I, I like Game of Thrones, and I like the idea of uh, pre-Wonder Woman Themyscira. I don't, I don't think there's any way you could nail the right tone of a real game of thrones in the amazons right like i don't think that i don't think it's a real expectation to set so when he said it i was like oh, i don't love that you should have come up with something a little better um if you wanted to say like an internal political strife and fight for for a throne or something like or for the kingdom i would get that more i just you know because if you say game of thrones means the mascara now I think it's just going to be a bunch of incestuous lesbians on an island that are stabbing <laughs> each other in the back over a throne, realistically. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, the only thing I get that 
the only reason it got me excited is because he name dropped two things that I love. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that's why he did it. Uh, but every, every Themyscira themed miniseries that's come out, uh, I've read and really liked. Like Themyscira can totally have its own story and stuff without Wonder Woman being there. And it can be good. I hope that this is one of them. Because clearly he doesn't want Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman anywhere near his road no. for whatever reason. Um, her, ac- her accent. It's her accent. Yeah, probably, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, hopefully hopefully this one's good. So what would be Themyscira themed outside of Wonder Woman, right? Like what? Well, okay. So one of the, one of the series, um, it was just called Odyssey of the Amazons. It was six okay. issues. It was so good. If anybody can find the back issues, because I doubt if the trade's in prints, check it out. It'll be cheap and worth your time. Uh, But it was just, there was lots of like battles with like Greek mythological creatures that inhabit the island, uh, as well as uh, invasion from another kingdom. I don't know if it was the Atlanteans, but I mean, obviously that could come into play. Yeah, that would be cool. The Amazons and the Atlanteans have fought on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, any any political conflict within a kingdom that can happen anywhere, it's just based around the Amazons. And I mean, that that just totally works, in my opinion. Throw in some do Greek you, gods and mythology. and I say, do you think we see any of like the new gods or something in that show? Uh, probably not outside of of like the Greek pantheon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what they'll stick to. Okay. All right, and then on to the movies. So the first one that they're starting with, he says the true start to his whatever plan is going to be Superman Legacy, right? Uh, In 2025? Yeah. That he is, he said, still writing. Yep. <laughs> in the middle of writing has not casted they're gonna have to film it in like four months yep pretty um, cool i know right i know i'm torn because whenever he was talking about this a very very dear book came up on the screen and that was all-star superman the greatest mm-hmm. superman comic ever written that's not that's not the story to adapt for your first one, in my opinion. Uh, not saying that he is. Maybe he was just using that. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what that meant. What does it mean, James? Tell me. <laughs> he did a lot of that. He also said a couple things for like Morrison inspired and some other stuff. And it's like, I don't. I I feel like you're trying to show your knowledge more than like saying what you mean, right? You're trying to get people bought in because there are just some things I don't think are going to translate well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know, man. That's just one of those where it's like, surely he has the brain to realize that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he'll just take bits and pieces from it, uh, you know, character moments or whatever. Um, but is that what you want? Do you want this like Boy Scout 
superhero, but you want like a a James Gunn that, to my knowledge so far, has only proven he writes quippy characters and then just give you like set piece after set piece of action moments. So I understand why people feel that way. Where I'm at with it is that I need to believe that he can do something other than quippy characters until proven otherwise. Okay. I mean, this movie really is going to be like the make it or break it moment for me because if he's name dropping that he likes Grant Morrison, then he should know what Superman should act like. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just whether or not he does that. So I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes. You, I feel like you're telling yourself that just so you don't rage over the next two years worth of time until we see a preview. Well, if that's the case, man, <laughs> I have to do what I have to because I'm such a big DC guy. Like yeah. I, I, I mean, you know this about me. A lot yeah. of the stuff that I, 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 you know, suggested to you was DC related because it's amazing. So I just want them to get their shit together and do something good. I'm I'm with you. I'm so bought into a, a revamped DCU that works because comic wise, that's what I read. Like, I don't do as much Marvel, even though people have their own opinions of like Marvel being more relatable characters and DC just being dark adult. But like, I like the dark adult and I think Marvel is a little too childish in my opinion sometimes. So I'm bought into the comics. It's just they, the movies of Marvel have been better but I want DC to be better. I love this cast of characters they can have. I love this cast of characters they use. Um, even if they wanted to start off and just cast Ezra Miller as the fucking Flash for whatever reason. <laughs> it just punched me in the dick like right as soon as we got out of the gate. Yeah. But Your I want it. I'm with you. I know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want it to be good too. Um, and I want to give a benefit of the doubt. I just, I don't know. You're, I think James Gunn is equally as snobby as Zack Snyder, but in a different way. I think Zack Snyder was, I'm going to be the truest version of comics that I can create and make them dark and gritty and everything that DC wants to be, right? And that was a very douchey mentality. And like, he he re- let his fans rally behind him to give him the strength to like stand up in interviews and just be an a-hole. I don't think James Gunn is that, but I think he's equally douchey in the he's the hipster guy like let me show you how much i know which is why we get you know fucking the authority that we're getting and why we get which i know we're gonna get to in a minute and some of this other shit and peacemaker and other stuff he's like look at these random pulls that i have you didn't even know about this character did you but i did and it's like but it's also not what we all want to see man like (laughs) i get it no but you know why he has that power? It's because he did it with the Guardians for the first time, yeah, and it worked. It it was great. It changed. It changed. The Guardians is the turning point of Marvel. You could actually see its influence from every movie then on, uh, for better or worse, right? Like take it or leave it, or if worse, you like it or but not. Yes, for worse. <laughs> and I get Thor. This last Thor is a prime example of worse. Um, but he changed. So I know he has a lot of credit there. And sometimes it can work, 
But in my opinion, like sometimes it doesn't. Like this last Suicide Squad movie, the movie as a whole were fine. The characters were okay. But like the whole beginning where you have this random cast of characters that he thought would be funny to bring in just to murder, like it just wasn't good. Like that part wasn't good. You know what I mean? And and the whole like blood sport peacemaker just walking around murdering people in a village, joking about dicks and farts. And then come up and they're like, oh, we're like, we're all friends. Like, are we going to address the fact we just murdered everybody back like <laughs> i just i don't know i don't know so i want it to be good as well and he does have a lot of street cred for that but he he's also just kind of a douche when it comes to this stuff <laughs> yeah i know i mean we we truly just have to have some faith that he'll know mm-hmm. when to turn it on and off yep all right so moving along you just mentioned it the authority I didn't realize this was a movie. I thought this was a TV show. Oh, no. This is like the first movie after Superman. Well, that sucks. (laughs) So, The Authority came out in 99 under the Wildstorm imprint. um, Because DC bought Wildstorm from Jim Lee. And uh, I don't know... I don't like I I know next to nothing about the authority apart from Midnighter and Apollo because I've read lots of things that they have been in since that acquisition. So uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this one, man. I can't I, I don't know a single thing. I can't even comment. Other than why would this be a better movie than a TV show? Like you're asking people to come to theaters for characters no one knows. No that's weird. Knows. That's Nobody weird. Knows. And I, I think, I think this, this one in particular is going to be him saying, I'm going to do with the authority what I did with Guardians for Marvel. I really mm-hmm. do. So I don't have anything else to say about it because I don't know the authority. That, that whole movie will be successful or not off of casting alone. That's it. Yeah, I think so. And mm-hmm. he's going to have to put on all marketing stuff. James Gunn, the authority. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Make it as small as possible. Yep. Because even Marv, like the annoying MCU fanboys, went out and saw the new Suicide Squad just because he was doing it. So, yeah. We'll see. All right. Next is, is one of the more controversial ones for Jake, and that's the Brave and the Bold. Um, this is the one that's going to be Batman and Robin, and Robin is going to be Damian Wayne. So this is one, again, James Gunn put a picture of a cover up on the screen, and mm-hmm. it was Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's Batman and Robin run. One of the best Batman runs of all time, in my opinion. I don't know if you've read it, Alex. Um but I, I love it dearly. The problem is, if that's what he's basing this on, Batman in that story was Dick Grayson. So okay. it was Bruce, it was post-Infinite Crisis. Bruce was dead, actually lost through time. Yeah. It was after Battle of the Cowl. Dick Grayson was Batman. Damien was dealing with the loss of his father, trying to be a good person, and Dick was there to kind of help usher him 
And it was really, really fucking cool to see those two develop a relationship. He's probably not going to use Dick Grayson as Batman. He's going to use Bruce Wayne because that's what DC is going to want. So, again, was he just showing us Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin just to show Batman and Damien together? Uh Or is he going to try to adapt that but somehow make it Bruce and Damien? And in in that case, that just doesn't work for me. Well, I don't... I think that loses the heart of the story too, right? Like you're bonding with essentially not two orphans because Damien had a parent at least, even though he found out Batman later, but he, with Talia al Ghul, so on, whatever. People listen to your show now. Uh, but, <laughs> but like you, that's a great bonding story for these two people that didn't have that father figure to bond over the fact that like now they've lost their father figure, even though Damien and, and Bruce's relationship is a little like butting heads at times, right? Um, so yeah, if you put Bruce there, you lose that whole thing, but flip it though. If you say you say you do Dick Grayson, like, is that how we're going to introduce Dick Grayson? Like, are we, are we going to skip, are we going to skip straight from these characters to like Red Hood and Nightwing out the gate and just say like, these are also characters in this world. Like, don't worry about the background they had under, um, you know, under Bruce before they came out and did their own thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a good answer there. So to your point, hopefully it's just a picture. Yeah, I I hope that it is. And it probably is. It's just, I don't want, like, it's tough to say because how long would it take them to do, here's a movie where young Dick Grayson is Robin. And here's another movie where young Jason Ta is Robin. And then do the Nightwing story and then do the Red Hood story. Like, it's probably not going to happen. So it's probably, uh, yeah. probably going to get a live action Nightwing at some point, which is fine. It's just, I don't know, man, I'm torn because let's, let's say that this is a direct adaptation and it is Dick Grayson Batman. You skip, quite literally skip my favorite DC character of all time, which is Nightwing. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Um, Obviously, Bruce would come into it at some point and Dick would have to go back to being Nightwing. But it's like, why do that to these people that don't know the story? You know what I mean? Um, So I just thought of this right now because I'm a fucking genius. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, so you were talking and something hit me and I didn't realize this when James Gunn said it, but now it makes a lot of sense. He said... Um, his, this entire universe will encompass both live action animated series with the same people playing both characters, keeping it in continuity. That was his admission saying we can crank out animated films that tell these side stories to allow us to jump. So we can jump to a live action Nightwing because we might introduce Dick Grayson as an animated character played by the same person, or we can jump to these and that will be such a disservice to some of these characters, but that is exactly what he will do to quickly hit the high points that he wants to get to. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Very good point. And I guess we've already had an animated Under the Red Hood. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one that I personally would love to see live action, even though it probably doesn't need to happen. I would just sure. want to see it because that story's so good. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. But again, it all just comes back to, 
I hope it was just a picture. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> 100% agreed. Uh, all right, next one. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which he said will be based on Tom King's Supergirl series that came out last year or maybe the year before. Um, I didn't read that because anybody who listens to the show knows Casey and I do not like Tom King. He is a garbage human being and I don't <laughs> want to support him. So I didn't read that series. I know it was critically acclaimed. It didn't sell super well in my shop, but that doesn't really mean that it didn't elsewhere. So who knows? I think that's though, because comic readers don't love Tom King in a lot of situations it seems like a lot of people just kind of blame him for kind of ruining comics in a lot of ways yeah i mean he's got he's got his fans that's for sure i have tons of customers that come in and will pick up anything that he writes Mm. the problem a big problem i have is that tom much like james gunn loves to take obscure fucking characters that people haven't seen in 20 or 30 years and make them sad in a miniseries <laughs> with his name sure. on it. Uh, yeah. And it sucks because most of those characters are ones that I love dearly. Uh, so Supergirl's not one of those. I think Supergirl is, is super cool, for lack of a better uh, you know term there, but uh, you know, apart from like the Justice League cartoon, I don't really have any ties to Supergirl. So this one weren't, just weren't like, an NBC fan, huh? Didn't didn't watch the NBC slash CW show. I watched a season or two. Um, it was okay. You know, that's fine. It, it was fine. That's fine. fine. She she looked the part certainly. Um, so is this? Were they not? doing something with supergirl before james gunn came in was she not slated to have some new movie or be there okay i thought batgirl and supergirl both had something in the works before this whole merger and change i don't think so i mean i could be wrong but uh Hmm. yeah i don't know you know that's just one of those things where like even if it is tom king's story if they do a movie i'm not opposed to seeing it because i'm sure whoever is directing it will you know, uh, bring on their own twist as we just complained about not too long ago. So we'll just see how it goes. That's what you think until they bring on Tom King, just like everybody in the Flash brought in. What was his name to help with that fucking movie? So, well, I mean, they might because Tom King was going was writing a script for a New Gods movie a year or two ago, and then they scrapped it. So. He could very well be on board to write the script it, for that. What what's the name of this uh what's the name of this first phase of his shit? Isn't it Gods and Monsters? Yeah. If, yeah, it is. Dude, if we, yeah, wonder why that new gods got scrapped, probably because that's where this phase <laughs> is gonna end. I mean, I I I love the new gods, so I definitely want to see them. I just don't want to see them written by Tom King. Yeah, that's so. fair. <laughs> All right, and then finally. One that I am very excited about, and one that our mutual friend Preston is most excited about, Swamp Thing. They said, or James Gunn said that this was going to be uh, a horror movie using Swamp Thing. And, uh, you know, it's going to investigate his dark origins. So 
I am all for, like, I'm not a horror guy at all. I'm a big baby when it comes to horror stuff. However, if it's set in a property like Swamp Thing or something comic book related, I am on board for it. So this one I'm excited for. I think I think a Swamp Thing horror movie could be really cool. He, I, I forget specifically how he said it, but he, I think he said this will be outside of the others, which makes me wonder, is it going to be tonally outside of the others? Or is this, to your point, going to be one of those Elseworld titles? Um, I'm, 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 da- I'm down for one reason, and I don't think it'll be Elseworld. But I'm down because I think this is going to let him bring in Justice League Dark. And dude, I am so sold if he brings in Satana and shout out Preston Constantine. That's the only time you'll ever hear me say that. So go fuck yourself. Uh, and then, you know, like some, some of that Swamp thing, like I am totally down for a Justice League Dark story if that's what introduces it. Yeah. I agree because I mean, gosh, how long did we hear that Guillermo? Guillermo, gosh, help me. Guillermo del Toro. Yes, thank you. I can't <laughs> talk. Was gonna do a Justice League Dark movie, and then I think it was a show, and then it was back to a movie. So it's mm-hmm. like maybe that's finally gonna happen. Who knows? I would. I I love Guillermo del Toro. Like I, I own the Hellboys and I own Pan's Labyrinth. I watch Pan's Labyrinth every Halloween. I don't know why, but it is like my Halloween movie. I I love him. I really would like him to only do the costuming if he was involved in that movie, because you know he does great set pieces. I just don't know about his full blown story for that. Yeah, fair enough. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I how I would feel about it other than just being excited that it was happening. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is the full slate. So we'll just uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. It's it's interesting to say the least. I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm I'm torn. I'm so torn. I want uh, to your point. I don't want it to be too quippy. I want it to be serious. I wanted to get DC back on track, but. I'm still like all this kicks off based on the flash movie, which I don't know how you're going to redo flashpoint. Like I don't, I'm not excited about you redoing flashpoint. Cause it seems like you're totally just going to change up the story of flashpoint in a lot of ways. And I don't love Ezra Miller and I find it hard to even support that movie. Like, why is it even coming out? Wasn't this dude being sought for the cops for two months? Like what is going on? Um, But I don't know. Like I, I want it to be good. I hope it is good. I just, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. I also don't know know why that movie's coming out and why <laughs> why James Gunn is just like, it's such a good movie. It's like, dude, like, have you not looked at the news? Like, why, why are some people getting canceled and not Ezra Miller? Yeah. Ezra Miller was arrested three times uh is twice during the justice league filming where he got in a fight with a girl taking a photo and threw a chair at somebody since then he's been arrested again and then this whole thing with the grooming piece that i don't even want to be like allegedly grooming because like no one has refuted it like even the media are like yep totally grooming this girl and on the run but movie's still coming out so yeah i think 
I think the only reason James Gunn is letting it happen is because at the end, it's going to reset the universe, and that's what he wants. And he's like, well, it's already made. We don't have to do it, so let's just run with it. I guess. We'll see. We'll see. All right. And that is the end of the news. So uh, now we're going to take our ad break, and when we come back, uh, Alex and I are going to talk about Identity Crisis. We'll be right back. That's amazing. All right. Welcome back, folks. Uh, if you would like to hear Alex step in for Casey on uh, Mad Lib duty, you can do so over on our YouTube channel. That's Two Worlds Podcast on YouTube. Um, but for now, we're going to talk about some comics. So real quick, before we get into Identity Crisis, I just wanted to do a real quick what I read this week and whether or not I liked it. So I read Immortal Red Sonia number 10, Moon Knight number 20, Scarlet Witch number 2, Bloodline Daughter of Blade number 1, and Briar number 3. Why why don't you show that cover of the Red Sonia? I want to see what it looks like. Sure. Well, that's a tear. There we go. All right. Who did that art? It's not typically you see like the, I don't know, the very like, realist art on covers of Red Sonia. For some reason, Red Sonia, Dejah Thoris, those sort of things are always like <laughs> Vampirella, right? They're like very real. Um, yeah. But and normally, that's not. normally they are. This one's done by Drew yeah. Moss. Um, I don't know why I didn't grab the A cover, which is done by Lyrix, who I'm obsessed with their art. Um, yeah, this was the end of this series, which is a bummer because I really, really, really like this series. It's like Dan Abnett writing great comics again. Um, mm-hmm. But it wrapped up nicely and I liked it. Probably probably a good nine out of 10 on that one. Uh, the next, I read Moon Knight, which was, I mean, phenomenal as always. The, <laughs> the thing that cracked me up, I'll try to find a picture of him just to show on the camera, but he was fighting these two uh, these two villains, and they just reminded me of people from that dance group at the Jabberwockies. <laughs> oh, yeah. The white masks um, and the red suits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like if they were going to a fancy dinner party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that was funny. But Moon Knight is just... One, I mean, maybe Marvel's best book, uh, best ongoing book. I love it. The art is just insane in this. Um, this one's definitely my pick of the week. I wanted to show one other page because sometimes they give Moon Knight some really good, like, batman mm, yeah. panels. With, like, the cowl and the... And the yeah, look at yeah. that, man. Oh, yeah. That's a Batman cover. Like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. That uh, that actually looks almost like um his like metal. You know how they gave him a new helmet for like metal and heavy metal sort of thing. Yeah. Like it almost looks like that. Straight. I up. agree. Yeah, very mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, next, I did Scarlet Witch. This one was cool. I guess starred uh, Viv Vision and had to do with uh, 
don't know, just like Scarlet Witch kind of, I guess Vision's robotic wife uh, was modeled after Scarlet Witch, which was an interesting thing for them to uh, to dive into in this issue, but uh, was super cool. I'm liking this book a lot more than I thought I would. So uh, any Scarlet Witch fans out there, definitely check it out. Probably give that a good it's eight a weird... and a half out of ten. That's an interesting moral dialogue to have. This vision like creates his family, but then like your sentient wife eventually figures out that she's modeled after your ex. <laughs> I know, right? That's, that's yeah. odd. Yeah, I dig it. it. Made, like I it dig made it. for some good dialogue for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Daughter of Blade was a pretty interesting first issue. Again, you know, it, it's it's just a lot of setup. First issues are first issues. You don't really get a lot out of them. Uh, mm -hmm. But the art was all right. And I'm willing to give it another issue or two to see if it really grabs me. And then finally was Briar, number three. I love Briar a whole bunch. It's like Sleeping Beauty meets Dark Fantasy. And uh, I'm just here for it. It's, it's always a good time. So... Uh, Probably a good nine out of ten on that one too. Most of the stuff I read this week, even though there weren't a lot of new releases, were very good. There was a really weird uh movie. It, it had to have been an indie movie. If not indie, it was just a like a B film that uh was very similar to that like dark fantasy. I think it was Sleeping Beauty, right? But it was called something else, like Prick or something stupid like that. But I know that's I'm sure that was not the name. <laughs> um <laughs> just so you know. But it was a very weird dark fantasy. I'll have to figure out if I can find it. But it was like, yeah, that Sleeping Beauty. I remember like a lot of weird dark enemies, a lot of like big briar patches. Live action came out in the mid 2000s. I'll, if I find it, I'll send it to you. It's Interesting. Very yeah, very curious yeah. now. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it. All right. And then the stuff that, uh, that I'm most excited for next week, I'm going to go with Koshay in Hell, because I love me some Koshay. He's the, one of the best parts of the Hellboy universe, uh, as well as the fourth issue of Bloodborne, Lady of Lanterns. Love those Bloodborne comics, <laughs> despite never playing the game. Uh, and then... Who's doing... Is that an IDW or a Dark Horse, or who's doing Bloodborne? Oh, I think it's Titan don't Comics. Know. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Okay. And it's good. I mean, I know they came it out with is. one. I just haven't read it yet. The The game is incredible as far as the story goes. So, yeah, I, I wish that they would port them to PC because I'm not going to buy a PlayStation just to play Bloodborne. But, uh, but yeah, the, this is like the fourth volume of, of the comics and they've all been super cool. Hmm. I'll have to pull and, that. I'll have to check this out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely do. And the last one I'm going to say, the new uh, Static Shot comic, because Static is the coolest. And then Casey sent me his. He's going to, He said that he's most excited about Daredevil, Flash, and Ghost Rider. So. Flash is, uh, wait, are we starting or did we just start One Minute War? Something, is it? Just started, yeah. Just this started, this so number two. Or, yeah, this week was the, the special. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm behind just from work so i'm behind on myself but i i know that event's kicking off so i'm excited about that too yeah jeremy adams is a very good writer 
Mm-hmm. All right. So, as everybody knows, um, whenever we have a guest on, we like to talk about one of their favorite comics. And Alex chose Identity Crisis from DC. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Did I suggest Identity Crisis to you? You, yes. Yes, you did. Um, so the thought, pro- <laughs> we'll talk about it. I really like this story. I would venture to say it's one of my favorites. Not my favorite, but I didn't want to go with my cl- like a couple of my classic favorites. Like, there's only so many times I'm sure you can talk about Kingdom Come and some other stuff. Like everybody knows <laughs> that, right? So I'm not going to pick those. This is one of my favorites. You recommended it to me. I still have it. And because like once I read it, it went in my shelf. It's, it's like pressed between other books. It's still in pristine condition. Nice. Um, But there's another reason I chose it too, which we can talk about here towards the end. So yeah, you did. Okay. I still have it. Excellent. For those that don't know, Alex and I became friends because he started shopping at Comic Headquarters and uh, I just liked him as a person. So anytime he came in, we would chat for a good 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, Yeah. And I would like to think that I have a great taste in comics. So whenever Alex came in looking for a new read, I, uh, I would suggest certain things to him. Now, I was excited that he chose Identity Crisis because Identity Crisis is one of those books where the first time I read it, it blew my tits clean off. Like it was just <laughs> one of the best things yeah. I've ever read. And then I read a bunch more DC over the years. And then I revisited Identity Crisis and I found that I actually didn't really care for it too much anymore. So that's why I'm excited for us to talk about it. So I didn't know this book was so controversial, (laughs) but like apparently it is within the community, within just the general comic community. Like it's a very controversial story. It is. So let's, let's talk about it. Um, you know, the gist of identity crisis is that somebody murders, it's a murder mystery. Somebody murders uh-huh. Sue Dibney. Sue is the wife of Ralph Dibney, who is Elastic Man. And a bunch of crazy shit happens in this book. Like a bunch of crazy shit. Yeah. And one of those things, and I want to talk about like the bads before we get to the goods, because there is good stuff in this. Mm-hmm. When I first read this, I wasn't really familiar with Elastic Man or Sue. And as you read more DC comics, you realize that Ralph and Sue are just one of those classic, like, great couples that just everybody loves. They're great characters. And obviously we're spoiling that like this is full spoilers about Identity Crisis. Brad Meltzer, who wrote it, decided that Dr. Light was going to rape Sue in the Justice League one oh, yeah. hour. Yeah. And uh, with know, no explanation on how he got there, just the fact that it happened. Like he was there and he did yeah. it. But not but we don't know how he got to the watchtower. We don't know how. 
and uh, you know, and then somebody kills her. So if you're like a longtime DC fan, you don't like Identity Crisis very much <laughs> because yeah. it takes this beloved character and does very horrible things to her. And and she wow. was like, and she was like an honorary member of the like they even say like she's so beloved she's an honorary member of the Justice League, which is why she was even in the Tower to begin with. Yeah, because uh, like even even in the early early Elastic Man comics, like the backups, he was a backup character. Um, she would help him solve crimes because he was a detective. So, um, so yeah, obviously very controversial. Um, but that that's just part of the controversy because another one that they deal with in this book that I'm curious about your take on, Alex, is that the Justice League comes to a vote at one point in this comic mm -hmm. on whether or not to use Zatanna to erase the memories of Dr. Light and also Batman uh, mm -hmm. so that nobody knows that that ever happened, except for them. Obviously, that's like a huge, uh, you know, breach of security. Uh, but I don't, it's really one that to this degree had not been done before. So how do you feel about all that? Yeah, so I'm very torn on this. So like, you know, I was late to the game, because this is 2004, right, when this came out. So I was very late to the game in this by about 12 years, I think you may have given this to me in 2016, right? So it's been, I've had it for a while. I read it then, and like you, coming back to it later, I view it a little differently. Um, but I'm very torn on the the brainwashing thing on a few different reasons. First, this is this is what Christian hates about me, is my, um, it's my shrewdness. Same reason why I think in Last of Us, like, Ellie deserved to die. Um, because for the, some things you need to step in for the greater good, which makes me go, hey, Zatanna, why aren't we lobotomizing all the bad guys? Like just all of them, all of them all the time. I don't like why I get look, rape is bad, but so is murder. And I bet you he is not the only one of these bad guys that have raped somebody. So why did we only wipe Dr. Light's mind? Like everyone... Arkham is a literal revolving door of bad guys. Like, how is every one of them not lobotomized? Like, she should be there at the door when people walk in and be like, no, we caught the killer croc again today. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. And she's like, no, I got you. Zzz, done. Bye. So, like, that's my first problem, right? I did appreciate the fact that Batman, in line with his character, sees this thing happening and takes the moral stance of, like, that's wrong, but then he just goes like Batman v Superman and everyone else and is like, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> and they erase and they erase his memory, too. And that's, you know, that's when you're like, oh, well, like the moral piece of it. Why are we picking some people and not others? And and was there not a better way around this? But also, like, why aren't we doing this to everybody? And we've just signed off on it and just you know what, Batman can get over it or just not come up here to the fucking watchtower. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to... So when you look at it from that lens, you kind of have these, like, 
two opposing factors of like you should be doing it but if you're gonna take a moral stance you know which makes me go it's kind of lazy it's kind of a lazy plot device yeah yeah i i completely agree and i i know casey does too casey hates identity crisis but (laughs) that's good to know well no it's, it's just because like like what all my feelings that I just said are amplified because Casey's been a comic reader for a lot longer than I have. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's not, but which by the way, that being a lazy plot device, because like you can't, as a writer, you can't decide which side of the fence you fall on. Um, that's not the laziest plot device in this story. <laughs> I love that. So, all right, we're moving through the comic a little bit. I want to share one of the things that, another thing that bugs me about this. We get to a part in the story where Dr. Light knows that the League is coming after him. And so he hires Deathstroke to protect him. And you're thinking, okay, if you're going to hire a bodyguard, Deathstroke is a pretty good one to have. Mm-hmm. But Deathstroke beats the Justice League. And I realize it's not all of their heavy hitters, but here, here's the, the matchup. We've got Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, Wally Flash, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Hawkman, and Zatanna. Those are not I mean, lightweights by any means. Three of those people, like Flash, Green Arrow, and Green Lantern, have beat, if if not beat him by themselves at one point in time or another, have at least beat his caliber of bad guy by themselves one time or another. Yes. So in my mind, there is no reason that Deathstroke should beat this team. This team is more no. than capable of handling Deathstroke. Um, and I just think that that Brad Meltzer, like writing Deathstroke and the reasons he gives for beating them are just not good enough, uh, in my opinion. You know, like I, especially the Flash. There's no yeah. reason Deathstroke takes the Flash. <laughs> He's the fastest oh. man alive. He can vibrate between dimensions. No. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like he gets, he catches the flash essentially like knowing where he's going to, sh- where he's going to show up. um, And literally like has a sword there. He doesn't even move it. Like he just has a sword there. Like that's where he shows up. But to your point, he could have just like, like vibrated himself off of that sword or around that sword with like no problem. Not or just like seen stabbed it before him coming up. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't that, that it's a cool set piece especially the first time you read it but the second time you're like "Eh, that doesn't doesn't really make sense right and you know it's whatever it's it's whatever they needed a big fight this was the big yeah you know yeah but also Um, wasn't dr light did he go up to the watch no it was just deathstroke right just deathstroke by himself because like if it was like both of you could have gone thing wasn't it i thought it was like down oh yeah yeah, I yeah, just I feel like you would have hired more than one person, like yeah. not just not just Deathstroke, right? 
Although, gosh, maybe he couldn't afford it as Dr. Light after all. <laughs> well, by that matter, how, how do you even have the money to get Deathstroke? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, all right. So I will swap to a part that I that I like. Because I know I know we're kind of ragging on it at this time, but Oh, sorry. Before you do that, can I say one more thing about the fight that I just remembered as yeah. I'm flipping through? Why does so Green Arrow catches Deathstroke and stabs him in the eye, right? But like the blind eye, why would you not stab him in the one good eye and just I, blind him? <laughs> I I didn't even think of that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, if, last if, thing. If, we if can move on. Time, if you have the time to stab one, oh, you have yeah. the time to stab the other. No, absolutely. Why would you do the one that you can't see, like behind the mask? Just and of all the <laughs> of all of the Justice Leaguers there in that fight, why is it Green Arrow the one that gets to land the hit? You know what I mean? I yeah, I don't know. So that was like I said, we didn't have to spend too much time. I just <laughs> why would you stab the bad eye? I don't get it. All right. So one part that I did like. And, and it, it hurts me a little bit to say this because it, it damages a character, but the death of Tim Drake's dad. Mm -hmm. So Batman and Tim are in the Batmobile speeding towards Tim's dad's house. Tim knows that Captain Boomerang is there trying to kill his dad and there's nothing he can do. They can't do anything until they get there. So he's like on the phone, trying to get a hold of his dad, knowing his dad's getting killed. And, you know, they get there too late. Uh, Captain Boomerang kills his dad at the same time his dad shoots him with the gun and kills him. So then there's just this- The gun really... that was sent to him and labeled protect yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there's that really good scene of Tim, like, just being held by Batman, uh, you know, over the top of his dead dad, which sounds weird, but it really is just a good scene because Bruce mm -hmm. is watching his own childhood happen right in front of his eyes. He knows what it's like. It's good that he's there for Tim in that moment. Uh, but man, it is it is a tough couple of pages to read. It's really good. And it's it's even more heartbreaking when you get to the end of the story and realize it, it the death served no purpose. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a good death. It's it is good. Yeah. And Tim could have easily gone down a very different path than he did uh, because of that happening. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention something. Um, is it in here? About think. what they like the autopsy? No. It's uh, man, this is so bad for for an audio podcast. I think it's <laughs> it. I think it's in here. Doesn't uh. Doesn't Captain Cold send flowers to the funeral? Am I oh, crazy? at the end? Is that this book? 
I don't remember that. Man, I don't I'm recall totally that. Blanking. Maybe it's not this book. Yeah. I say, I, mean, I, I don't recall that scene. Uh, all right. Anyway, moving on then. Um, what's, what? Continue talking about this story. So, leading up, I think it was right before that Captain, or I think Captain called, right before that uh, Captain Boomerang and Tim Drake's dad, there's an autopsy done, right? And we find out through the autopsy that there's some more foul play than we think it should her body should be burned should have like smoke in the lungs and all this good stuff but we find out that there's no smoke in the lungs which means uh she was dead before the fire but what we do find is some teeny tiny little footprints on the brain which uh, as I think this is a really fun detective story and a murder mystery, which is why I think I loved it so much the first time I read it. Um, I actually think it's a fun little twist that there's footprints on the brain, even though that makes legitimately zero sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> like even if you could... Even if you even if you could shrink down to like atom size and like get small enough to walk between the membrane, like what is it? Like the dust of the moon? You're just leaving little like boot prints on the smooth parts of somebody's brain. So I think it was a fun scene. Makes no sense, but that's what we find out um through the autopsy. So we know there's been some foul play, which also means that like, hey, you know. Maybe Dr. Light were, were barking up the wrong tree there, um, which then leads to kind of the scene you were talking about there with Tim Drake's dad. He gets a letter with the gun that says protect yourself, but like the R in the word is circled like Robin. But throughout the story, there's other letters that go out to people that have like you know, notes, if you will, not to confuse notes and letters. There's other notes that go out to people <laughs> with certain letters, because they with certain letters like circled in red um, that attribute themselves to different characters and different superheroes. So I think it it, it kind of has like a true detective vibe to it um, until you get a little further in. And do we want to talk about, I don't know if you had something else to say before we get here towards like where we start to peek yeah. in the story. Yeah, so real quick, I I had to look it up. It it was in a Flash comic where uh, Captain Cold learns about the death of Sue Dibney and sends flowers to the funeral. And the other rogues, you know, the tricksters, like, oh, good idea. Are we gonna plant a bomb in them? And Captain Cold's like, no, just flowers. And it's just like, oh, that makes Captain Cold so fucking cool. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, don't be a bunch um, of assholes. She's already right. dead. We're not going to kill more people. You Even like... Captain Cold yeah. loves Sue Dibney so much. <laughs> um, plus, you know, I wanted to bring on the fact that uh, that as Ralph is holding the burnt corpse of his wife, what else does he see, Alex? A what pregnancy does he... test. Oh yeah, yeah. So that was he. So it when the when the when the story kicks off he's talking to another character and he's like, Hey, my birthday's coming up. And every year 
uh, Sue puts together this murder mystery for me. And like, I always know who it is. And like, you know, this year she's probably going to get like Green Arrow or somebody to dress up as this old person. And, and it's going to be the murder mystery. Um, so my birthday, I think he's like tomorrow or something. But when he gets home and he's holding her, he finds out his present isn't the murder mystery. It's the pregnancy test. Yeah. Which really just makes you feel like shit when you're reading this. Oh, this thing is dark. <laughs> this story is dark. Yeah, for sure. Um, which, which segues into the last part that I, I wanted to say before we move on, which was at the funeral, when Ralph is mourning and crying, he cannot hold himself together. Like he's yeah. elastic. Man. He's just like, yeah. Like he's, like... Just, he's like sagging. He's like trying to hold mm-hmm. his own face up. It's rough, man. It is rough. Uh, but anyway, also, moving which on. also implies that there's some part of him that always is holding himself together in human form at all times, which makes me wonder: when he sleeps, is he a puddle? <laughs> Let's just not ask Brad Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, all right. Which what what part did you want to talk about next? Well, so it's it's you know the classic murder mystery until this one part happens where, in the wake of this, as we're getting to climax here, in the wake of this funeral, in the wake of losing such a dear beloved person. Um, people start going to their loved ones, right? Like when when you're sad, where are you going to go? You're going to go into the arms of the people that are going to know you most. Um, thus, as characters are going, we see Ray Palmer and we're at his house. And this is where things take a turn, right? And actually, I'll pull it up here. So Ray's at his house and... Uh, he's getting ready for bed and he and his wife are there and they're just kind of chit-chatting and he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of like putting the moves on and are you flirting with me? He's like, yeah, is it, is it working? Right? Like his, his divorced wife, right? Like they're not together anymore, but that's who he goes to. And um, as things are happening, she makes a comment and what does Jean say? She says something that like really sticks out about the note uh speaking of which did they ever find out who wrote that protect yourself note to jack drake and ray's like uh what what note you talking about there gene i don't recall mentioning a note and this is where the story really hits the fan yeah and it's a very convoluted story where gene has decided that she was going to borrow a suit from Ray. She was going to shrink down. She was going to just just walk on the brain a little bit and 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 like what? Like cause a fainting spell. Like the intent was not to murder, right? But like maybe disorient you or maybe like make you faint or get sick or something. But just the fact that something was wrong would make everybody run into the arms of their loved ones, which at the end worked. Like that was the goal that Jean wanted. She just killed somebody in the process, right? Yeah. Like you went a little too far, but Jean does not care. 
Like she even had a backup plan. Yeah. She even had a backup plan for that, which was the whole Tim Drake's dad, like I'll send a gun and he can protect himself and maybe kill Captain Boomerang along the way. But it's still going to reiterate the fact like we can all be attacked at any time. So go spend time with your loved ones. Like this is a very intricate plan (laughs) from somebody that is cuckoo bananas and only wants her man back. Yeah. <laughs> Which is that's the biggest problem with this story. That this is the laziest plot device. Which is woman just wants her man, so she's going to go and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that that were a quote on the cover. <laughs> Five, five out of five stars. So she goes a killing. Yeah. Alex Slaughter. Five, five out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this realization is made. Ray finds out at the same time Batman is piecing it all together. Uh, there's a big confrontation. Ray takes her to Arkham and uh then it's just he just disappears he goes subatomic and he's gone Aaron Hernandez gone forever uh it so that was reading it the second time because like I said the first time I read it I I really enjoyed the detective piece like because as you're in the moment and you don't know what's coming it's all hitting at once right so you're more you're more taken back by like processing all this information like tim drake's dad dying when it was completely unnecessary um the accidental death and and then like covering the tracks like it was a smart plan but clearly she's crazy but when you read it the second time you wonder like is she crazy or is she not like i know she's acting insane because she's like doing all this for love i guess but this is a story, or this is a plan that, like, no crazy person could come up with. Like, I'm a fairly smart person. I graduated with an incredibly high GPA. I had a 4.0 out of high school. I had a really high GPA in college. Like, I'm not dumb. I could never have thought through this intricate of a plan. Like, it's, I can't even call it crazy. That's a disservice because she's acting crazy, but it's brilliant in what she does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then he's just Ray Palmer's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take her to Arkham. But like, should she also be in Arkham? Because I I know she killed like one person and indirectly killed another person. But like, she's not Joker, Scarecrow, Killer Croc. Like, she's not a level bad guy stable. Yeah, it's like you've got the Joker, Scarecrow, Killer Croc. Gene Loring. It's like, come on, what? What what you doing? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and this brings up the other morality question where if that was the case, like, couldn't you just pulled her to the back alley or like on the way, just had Zatana like lobotomize her again or make her forget everything? It doesn't make everything okay, but you could have literally made her forget what she did and her life and just be like you're a new person now go don't murder people again and live your life doing normal things since since you put Chekhov's gun on the table you could have come back to it right. and you and you could have had more of a 
a, a morality conversation around it, if you will. Ray could have at least asked, been like, hey, I'm upset, everybody's upset, like, is this an option, rather than just drag her to Arkham. It it was wrapped up very quickly. Yeah. And then one final kick in the balls is, uh, is you know, Ralph getting ready for bed, and then uh, talking to his dead wife who's not there. Uh and it just sucks. And then he turns off the lights and that's the end of the story. It's like, dude, come it's, on. Yeah. It's it, she dark. She's it's dark. I so after I read it again, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch some stuff on YouTube. Just make sure I'm prepared. Look, man, I'm coming on your podcast. I wanna make sure we're good to go. I'm prepared for anything here. I, I did more homework for your podcast than I do for my own podcast. And that tells you anything. <laughs> I love but it. again, like the story was before I was, I still read comics, but not to the level that I'm into comics years later. It's 2004. I mean, I was a junior in high school. Um, So I didn't realize, but this was like one of DC's first big dark stories as they were trying to keep up with Marvel and they kind of looked at what Marvel was doing in the sales and thought, let's go dark and capture that adult audience, which kicked off kind of what we know in DC now. And it's kind of led to the things I love about DC now. I think they've done a better job at fine tuning those stories to where they don't use a couple of lazy plot devices here. Um, but it is more along the lines of like what you think of in DC today. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know if that's good or if that's bad. Maybe everybody has their own opinion on that, but it's what we've got now. I completely agree. I I think that's a more than acceptable uh, yeah. way of looking at it too. Oh, and let me say that th this brings me. Ah, didn't want to forget this. This brings me to the other thing that I wanted to say. The other reason why I picked this, beyond the fact that you gave it to me and it's a great story and and kicks off that friendship, but. It has the perfect mix of dark DC, side characters, and edginess, and controversy that James Gunn could easily do in the future. Yeah. I think this is a prime candidate of a story everybody knows, whether they like it or not. You could tweak it with some of the characters to bring in your own stupid side characters that you want, but it's just dark enough that... I could absolutely see this being a James Gunn story for a future uh, DC project. I agree. And then, you know, think of like Mr. Miracle, Mr. Terrific, and all those characters. Like if the audience was like, oh man, Mr. Terrific, then, yep. then he could be like, all right, going to do a Mr. Terrific movie. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Totally it it actually leans really well. You would have to do some like real tweaking because there is no Batman in this current universe as we know it. But this was one of the things I thought about when he said true detective like story between Flash and Green Lantern or uh, between Green Lantern and um uh No, it's just Green Lantern. Yeah, that's right. It was <laughs> He said two Green Lanterns when he was telling. So for some reason, I'm thinking like Green Arrow, Green Lantern. But no, it's not a buddy cop. It's just Green Lantern. This would be a perfect candidate for that sort of true detective, dark, gritty story. Yeah. It would just have to have some heavy tweaking for the characters. Agreed. Agreed mm -hmm. completely. It's one of those that even though I, I don't care for some of the things in it now, I mm -hmm. still it still holds a, a place in my heart. And one that 
I would love to see adapted like that. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I, I think it would smash at the box office, if I'm being honest. Yeah, because it would be different. It would be mm-hmm. absolutely different. It would show that different side of superheroes um, without being too kitschy. Like I think the boys yeah. can be sometimes. Um, yeah. But the book itself, like you, like it still holds a place in my heart. The artwork is incredible. That's another thing I love about it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rags Morales, he did the whole thing. Uh, and it, it's just killer from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, oh, it, I, last thing about this, this was like an aftermath thing, but it birthed one of my favorite Hawkman moments in DC. I'm a huge Hawkman fan. Um, I think it was just called like chair. It, it was like identity crisis aftermath or something like that. But uh, the Justice League is met and uh, Batman and Hawkman are having an argument and Batman uh, realizes that the League uh, erased some of his memory, and that all comes back to him. And he punches Hawkman across the face. And Hawkman takes out his mace, and he goes, I hope it was worth it, Batman, because I'm going to give you 10 minutes that you're never going to forget. And that line, dude, is like, all time for me right yeah that's good all time i love it and then of course hal puts a ring and ring construct between yeah them. i'm like man let that fight play out please because nobody has the balls to just say that to bruce right no. like yeah except for Hawkman. yeah and i love that about him so um awesome. all right well glad we got to talk about that it's a great yeah. great uh discussion topic so We'll wrap up like we always do with the Fantastic Four. So I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, Alex, but Valentine's Day is coming up uh, next week, I think. Mm-hmm. So what are four of your favorite comic book couples? Oh, four comic book couples. Um, Green Arrow or Black Canary would be one. Um, <laughs> This is so cheesy and so dumb. But of course, Batman and Catwoman, and I will never forgive DC for the lead up they did to the wedding just to kick everyone in the balls. Like, I I will never forgive you for that. (laughs) Um, Man, who wrote that story? It wasn't Tom Tom King, King. was it? Yeah, fucking (laughs) asshole. Um... Here's one that I don't think is an all-time classic, but I can totally stand mostly because just my adolescent brain. But uh, any of the new things between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, I also I also like some of the things they've done. I wish they would do more with Poison Ivy. I appreciate that they're giving Poison Ivy like her own run recently, and they're turning that character. Clearly, they're going the anti-hero route that they did with Harley Quinn five years ago and, and continues today. I'm totally here for that. Um, and then beyond that, goodness, I do I want to go? I'll go, I'll go super classic here and just say like Sue Storm Reed Richards, right? Like you can't go wrong. They actually did a wedding event 
that was a good that like that shows you how it can pay off you know <laughs> yep not I to agree. just like not to just tease your fan base for a literal year <laughs> and have nothing come of it <laughs> assholes yeah that was some bullshit uh some mm. of mine and i know casey and i have done this before so some of these might be repeats i'm gonna leave off ralph and sue because that was obviously just a very big topic for us but uh dick grayson and barbara gordon um i'm gonna go superman and lois i think that's a good one that always needs to be around uh, Hawkman and Hawk Girl, because they just get to fly around together and kick ass throughout time, and you know what's more fun than that? And they and always then, find each other, right? Yeah. Like it's they, a great they, story, they, right? That's love to last eternity. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda, two of my favorites. Some new gods, a little callback to the new gods. So I I almost feel like it's like blasphemous of me to not say like Barry Allen, Iris West, but I just think Iris is fine. Hey, and I, that's an okay opinion to have. <laughs> I, I think Barry's pretty boring personally. I much yeah. prefer Wally. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, before we end, Alex, uh, any closing plugs for yourself? Where can the people find you? Uh, yeah. If they don't hate me by the end of this, um, we have we I have a pod uh called what are we called? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are called the Testing Room. So we're a video game podcast, which means we don't interfere with the things you love about this comic podcast. And comics and video games oftentimes overlap with their fandom. So come check us out. Uh, that's the Testing Room. Preston has been a guest on this podcast. Um, Christian has not right, but Christian not has yet. had a question asked and answered on this podcast and um if you just follow jake around you would have heard those guys on our podcast as he is our dungeon master in our DD episodes as well but yeah check us out it's a fun time all right and thank you again for being on this was a blast for me uh obviously me too obviously we we've grown close because of comics so it was only fitting to have you on the show and talk about some so it means a lot to me that you agreed to come on. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. I had a blast. So yeah, well now uh, we'll end on our closing plugs. Uh, if you would, please go to facebook.com slash two worlds podcast and give our page a like. You can also follow us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC and on Instagram at two worlds pod. You can email us at two worlds podcast at gmail.com. And if you would go to our YouTube channel, that's two worlds podcast on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Now, uh, we'd love to stay in chat, but I have to go ride Alex off into the sunset and slay some monsters. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys.